Hey there, it's Phil Harwood. Just want to take a quick minute before we begin today's podcast episode and talk to you about our live and in-person events. We had three events scheduled for 2021. We've already had two of them. Our Inner Circle, sponsored by VentTrack event, was very well attended and was a great event. And uh, just recently, we had our Forum for Sales event, sponsored by SnowX, sold out. Uh, We had a great event there as well. We have one more event coming up. It's called Grounds in Institutional Management. It's really focused on site um, issues, operations, engineering, equipment, everything having to do with with running a snow event and planning for events. This is going to be September 8th and 9th at Milton Cat in Milford, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. So we hope to see you there. Registration is open right now at snowfightersinstitute.com. Welcome to the Snowfighters Institute podcast where we hear directly from some of the most interesting people in the professional snow and ice management industry to learn about their successes, to hear about the challenges they faced along the way, and to have their perspective on critical issues facing our industry today. I'm your host, Phil Harwood. Before I introduce today's special guest, I'd like to invite you to follow our social media feeds And check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, Very pleased to have Aaron Graber from VentTrack here with us today. Aaron's involved in a bunch of different things with with VentTrack and um, related to product development, product marketing, business development. Um, whatever they ask you to do, right, Aaron? That's right. <laughs> Happy to be here. So uh, th- thanks for having me on the show, Phil. Absolutely. Um, real excited to have you. VentTrack's been a great partner of ours uh, through for many years um, with my consulting business, with uh, Grow the Bench, um, with industry associations like SIMA and just um, NALP and their predecessors. You guys are all over the place and just uh, I've been to your facility several times and had the opportunity to meet a bunch of folks um, in person and in different uh, venues. And just it's been a great relationship over the years. And and I just keep hearing great things about Ventrac and seeing more and more Ventracs everywhere I go. So I'm just really, really excited you guys are here and part of the Snow Fighters podcast. So thank you again for being here. Thanks for the kind words. We're, We're happy to be part of it. Absolutely. So somebody is listening to this podcast going, what is event track? So let's start there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty common question in some pockets of the world still. Um, so event track is uh, it's, it's starting to look a little different than, than history might tell you because we're branching out into some new products. Um, but at its core, we're compact tractors. Um, some of our tractors take on a little bit different form than others. Um, but we're, we're compact tractors and our main product is a, an articulated unit. So similar to what you'd see in, in the subcompact tractor space from the main brands, um, but with some notable differences uh, being articulated steering. And then we have our own attachment line too that we support. 
So we're not really just an OEM for power units. We build everything that you might need. Um, and, you know, in, in your corner of the world and, and in the snow corner of the world, uh, people know us pretty well uh, exclusively for sidewalk work. Mm-hmm. And we have attachments you need to do snow removal and uh, pretreatment on, on sidewalks and, and granular as well. Uh, and then also at, from, from our other side of the business, we get into summer season work and we, we do mowing, we do trenching, stump grinding, all the other tasks you could imagine throughout the year. So mm-hmm. service tractor manufacturer. Yeah, my first experience with Ventrac was when I was a part owner of a landscape snow operation here in Michigan. And um, our very first machine we bought when we started the company was a Ventrac and we employed it for snow that first winter. And that that machine, that single machine with one operator did the work of about, you know, 10 guys. Uh, Maybe I'm exaggerating, but maybe it was eight. I don't know. Maybe it was 20. It was a lot. (laughs) It was high production. And then um, we utilized every tool of that machine over the next, you know, 10 years or so, whatever. I'm sure that machine's still going strong today, but throughout the whole landscape season, all the, you know, cleanups with fall cleanup, with mowing, with, uh, you know, moving materials with the buckets. I mean, we had it all. And that thing was just a, a machine that just never quit. Awesome. Yeah, we, we hear that feedback a lot. Usually the numbers are different depending where you're at and how often you use it, what, how many jobs you do throughout the year with it. But uh, most people find that they, they make a lot of money with their Ventrax. So. so snow industry, professional landscape industry, what other industries does Mark, does, uh, what other markets does um, Ventrax show up in? Those are the main two within those markets. We, we branch out into different customer types, um, government, municipal, private contractors, um, estate managers, that sort of thing. Uh, but those are the two main areas that we go into, the, the snow and ice uh, industry and, and landscape industry. We've, we've got some units running in specialty applications. You'll see, you'll see Ventrax doing some roadside mowing. Uh, you'll see them in landfills, on orchards and vineyards, solar fields, cemeteries, that sort of thing. Uh, but the lion's share of our business is, is kind of what you would imagine it to be general landscape contracting and snow, snow and ice removal. Okay. On the green side, is the um, contractor world a bigger market for you or is the golf world a bigger market? It's pretty, pretty even mix. Uh, okay. Between, between those two, we see it come and go. Uh, they, they kind of fight between each other for, for the, the bigger part of, of the green side. These days with the acquisition by Toro, we're experiencing some pretty good growth in golf. Um, that's, that's a little bit more aggressive than we've seen in the past, but we're also seeing contractor business pick up too. So I, I think that's a pretty good battle into the future to see what takes the top spot, but it's never been so far apart that one is a clear winner. Yeah. Okay, cool. You mentioned Toro. So I want to come back to that, but um, what about from a geographic footprint? What, what countries, I mean, where, where can we find it? Where would, where would one find a vent track operating these days? Uh, in a lot of countries. So the, the, the U S and Canada are our main markets, uh, but we do export machines to a lot of places around the world. Our, our biggest export markets right now would be Australia, um, Sweden, the UK, and, and we're growing in, in other parts of Western Europe and some, some of the Eastern European countries too. Uh, 
Uh, we do work with uh, China, Japan. There's some smaller markets that, that are emerging for us. Over time, I would expect that the, the international markets grow at a faster clip than they have over the past decade or so, uh, just because th those markets are, Ventrac is still new to them and there's a lot of development to happen. Uh, and, but you know, even domestically, we, we see that same thing where there's a lot of people who don't, don't know about us yet um, or, or specific pockets of the country. And that's only by far and away our biggest market is, is the U.S. Yeah. So are, are all the Ventrax made here in the U.S. and Ohio or do you have manufacturing in other countries as well? It's all made right here in Ohio. Nice. We, we obviously use, uh, we, we call it global components like most people do. So we have engines that come from Japan and we have, of course, uh, we have, you know, all kinds of different components that come from various parts of the world, but uh, almost all of our steel comes from local sources and all of our manufacturing is done here. There's a couple, couple components to some of the attachments that we buy in, uh, but everything's designed, engineered, tested, assembled, put through its paces right here in Ohio. And then tell us about the distribution model. You're working through dealers. Are you, are you trying to set up dealers? I know a lot of people in our industry have uh, relationships with contractors who will set up a dealership, but it's really nothing more than the contractor selling to themselves and a, f a few of their buddies. Um, what does that distribution model look like for you? Yeah, we have a, a pretty standard uh, distribution model where we use dealers that you'd find um, selling equipment that's similar to ours. So small tractors, uh, small construction equipment, uh, ag stores, lawn and garden stores, that, that type of thing. Uh, we don't sell direct to anybody. And we also don't have any dealers that are contractors like you're talking okay. that are contractors basically for themselves and a couple others. We've had mm -hmm. stories in the past, but we, we, we've stuck with our, with our current dealer model just because we, we really try to prioritize dealer service. And a lot of times uh, th those, those contractors um, don't have the ability or don't have the desire to necessarily service other contractors sure. know, at the same rate with the same uh, expediency as, as a generic dealer might. So especially in the snow and ice world, we look for dealers as we, as we're continuing to grow, we look for dealers that have, uh, that go the extra step with that service. So dealers that have mobile service units, dealers that carry all of the parts that you could possibly need uh, in stock all the time, that sort of thing. That, that's really our focus. So that at the end of the day, contractors, no matter who you are and where you are, hopefully can get the best support possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we, as we know, the dealer support is a huge component of owning and maintaining a machine, especially a machine that's going to last many, many years. Yep. Um, so that's super key. Give us a really quick flyby, if you don't mind, Aaron, on the history of the company. Like, you know, how does somebody wake up one day and say, I want to build equipment for the landscape industry? <laughs> like, <laughs> how did this company get going? What, what, how old is it? What's, where did it yeah. come from, and then how Toro and get get involved? Give us a give us a quick overview. Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you my best shot. All right. Yeah. Uh, so when when the company started, I was let's see that that would make me seven years old. So the company started <laughs> six. <laughs> okay. So at the at the time, I was pretty oblivious to what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, but it started in '96. Uh, with the Steiner family being the, the founding family of it. Um, and they had some previous history building other equipment uh, that goes back a, a lot longer than that. And 
over the course of the years, uh, got got involved with other other things and moved on from those businesses, uh, but started Ventrac up in 96 to serve what they thought was a missing part of snow and landscape, um, just industry in general. There's a lot of zero turns out there. There's a lot of tractors out there, skid steers, equipment that that was uh, had been around for a very long time. And they thought they had something special with a small articulated tractor. So they, they just started building. And uh, it's, it's basically been in this exact location, you know, a couple spots around town here and there as, as growth has happened. But it's basically been in this exact location ever since. And it's, it's grown, you know, slowly at first. And, and, and once you get to that, that critical mass, it's, it's grown very quickly um, in the past five to seven years. I've been here almost six years now. Uh, and in that amount of time, we've seen a lot, a lot of new buildings go up, a lot of new production happening, a lot of new products being launched. Uh, it's just had a lot of momentum ever since then. Yeah. And I've seen that growth. It's your, your new facility, which probably isn't all that new anymore, right? Probably five years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a it's... huge, huge building that was very quickly consumed by, by the growth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and since that, since that new building that you're referring to, um, we, we have built two more <laughs> Yes, right. and, and it's been just to support, support the business that's, that's, that's happened, the, the growth that's happened. Um, so to circle back yeah. a little bit, Last year, uh, actually about this time, uh, Toro acquired us. So we are now part of, of the Toro company mm-hmm. and part of the TTC family of brands. And uh, that's, that's been, I think, a good thing, especially coming from my angle. We're talking a lot about product and R&D and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I'm sure you'll have, I'm sure you'll have more questions as we get mm-hmm. further. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, what a great partnership. Um, and probably opens up all kinds of new opportunities for the company. And um, so one of the things that um, really has always stood out to me is just a real interesting culture, just a, a really nice kind of a family oriented culture that hopefully you won't lose with a, being part of a larger entity. Um, but talk to me a little bit about that culture. You've been with the company now, I think you said six years Um how would you describe the culture? And, and if somebody came to visit the company, kind of what would they, what would they walk away with from that experience? We, it's a culture that we fight like crazy to defend. And I think that's probably what they would notice is that it, it seems like there's a pretty intense focus on it. We, you know, we've all been, a lot of us have been around businesses of all different types and sizes. And we kind of we kind of understand how those things go and how they how they move over time, and we we realize that you know like what we do we take what we do very seriously, um, but what we do is only made possible by the people that come to work every day, and uh, you know we have to our, one of our top priorities is serving customers, another is serving dealers, another is is obviously earning profits and, and revenue. But at the end of the day, none of that is possible without the people that walk through the doors here every day. So we, we try to remind ourselves of that an awful lot. And we try to facilitate an environment that lets people feel that and know that they're appreciated. And, um, and then we kind of round it out with building a product that we, we think is so good and such high quality that people can actually take some pride in it a long way when you come to work and you know what you're doing is supporting other people 
Uh, you're selling it to businesses that are using it to make money and support their families. You're, you're selling it to individuals who feel safer on the product than with other products. You're selling it to people who really find value in the product. When you're able to come to work and build something like that, it, it's almost a natural way to get people to buy in and really feel like they're adding, adding a lot to their, to their environment. Mm -hmm. I've seen that firsthand in so many different situations with just the outstanding commitment to quality. That doesn't mean everything's perfect. That doesn't mean that there's never ever an issue with anything, right? Yeah. No uh, such thing. There's no way, <laughs> there's no way. Cause you're, you're innovating and you're pushing out new products and there's a learning process to that, right? There's an experimental process that goes along with that. And you can test things all day long, but until they're field tested in, in mass quantity, you're not going to know what you have fully. Right? right. So, so there's always something, but, but I've just been very impressed by the, the degree of quality and just walking through the facility, you know, um, hopefully when we get back to in-person events, we're going to be meeting again at your facility soon. Uh, at least we're planning to. And if anyone has an opportunity to jump in on that, we would, we would welcome that. But we've been talking about the company, Aaron. I want to uh, just get to know you a little bit more personally um, for on behalf of our listeners. Um, sure. <laughs> you've been at the company about six years. So yeah. what, what kind of different roles have you had with the company and what's your background? And, and even give us a little flavor of what you have going on outside of work, like what you're into as far as your family and hobbies and things like that. All right. Well, let's, let's start there. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been in Ohio or, or near Ohio for most of my life. Mm -hmm. I was born in Florida, been East coast the entire time, but lived, lived down South for a little bit, uh, after college, but my, my background, um, through, through college and a little bit prior to that, uh, was in kind of machining and, uh, some custom, custom fab type work. Okay. And then in college, I earned a business degree with no, no official extra degree, but, but some, some other focus uh, on the engineering side of things. Um, and then after college, went to work for a uh, very boring Fortune 500 company that shall remain nameless. <laughs> that, uh, very good. I, you know, I, I just wasn't very inspired. <laughs> okay. All right. And uh, that's, that's just the truth of it. And uh, found found the opportunity to um, come, come up this way and work for Ventrac about six years ago. I took that opportunity. Uh, so, but me on, on, on the, the Aaron side of things, um, I'm just, I'm kind of the typical rural Ohio kid, uh, like cars and motorcycles and tractors and equipment and that sort of thing. Um, personally, these days, I've gotten a lot more into to riding mountain bikes than, than motorcycles and, and mm -hmm. things. So I'm into that a lot. I've a little got, better workout. Oh yeah, better better workouts. A little safer. Uh, you don't you don't hurt yourself quite as bad. Yes. As things. <laughs> uh, got a got a small family of my own and a nice little property to maintain. And we uh, we live in a nice little corner of the world where it's uh, there's not a whole lot of crazy going on <laughs> in Mid Ohio. Yeah. Uh, so so we, we kind of enjoy ourselves and keep it low key. And, and that that's me. Yeah. Nice. No. Thank thank you for that. Oh. Yeah, on the work side, like I, I touched on before with the background, um, that led me to Ventrac. And then from, from starting at Ventrac, I've, I've basically held the same role the entire time I've been here, um, but it has morphed into some various differing responsibilities. So the, the initial uh, 
sign on was for me to basically handle completely product development. Okay. So what do we, what have we got in the lineup now? What do we want in the future? What changes do we want to make? What updates do we want to make? Um, I don't know whether I, it, the, at, at this point it's hazy, but I don't know whether it was week one or, or month, month five, but at some point they put a camera in front of me uh, and they say, Hey, we need, a, we need a video real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. You say something <laughs> and it, it turned out better than expected. Nice. And uh, that, that has morphed into taking up probably 30 or 40% of my time being on camera now. So in addition to all the product development and some of the other marketing activities and, and business strategy stuff, uh, I do most of the camera work for, or the, the, the on, on screen work anyway. Uh, for all of our YouTube advertisements, for all of our digital advertisements that we use for, for dealers, uh, some, some local television spots, regional television spots. So I do all the product overviews. We do some uh, kind of out in the field video work as well. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that's, that's, that's kind of progressed into, a, like I said, you know, 30, 40% of my role these days as well. You've kind of become the face of Ventrac. I, I hear that term thrown around. <laughs> it's it's still weird for me. Uh, every video that we, uh, what a lot of people don't don't realize is when we shoot a video, it, it's not uh, it's not nearly what you would imagine and what you see at, at the final stretch. Uh, so when we first shoot it, it's rough. I mean, there's lots of there's lots of cuts. There's lots of mm-hmm. me saying the wrong thing or or you know bloopers all over the place. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and so it, like it takes a lot of work to get it to that final production cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that process, it's still weird for me when, when I see myself and I hear myself. It's uh, I don't know if I'll ever get used to it. Yeah, those things. I think I think a lot of people say that, but it's true. When you're on camera, I don't think you ever really get used to how you look and sound to yourself. <laughs> I'm in the same boat right there with yeah. you, Aaron. Yeah. Um, so you were heavily involved in product development, um, you know, during the SSV concept and putting mm-hmm. that together and getting that out to market. And that's been, uh, that's been such a wonderful machine for the industry. Um, and I'm sure you can't talk about anything secret or proprietary, but <laughs> it, is there anything new and exciting you want to tell us about, or what's, what are you most excited about right now regarding Ventrac product? Um, I'll probably, what I'm most excited about now that's, that's out in the open that we can talk about uh, is probably our new V-Blade for the SSV. Like you said, okay. that's been a really good product for us. I've had a lot of great feedback on it. We just launched a new V-Blade um, this this year, and it was limited quantities, so you know a lot of people didn't get the opportunity to buy one, uh, but we wanted to make sure and get get out early to, to build some hype for it. And it's a, it's a trip edge V that we think is pretty revolutionary in how it works. It's got some patent, patented parts of it, uh, and you know, in, in my experience using it, it cleans better and runs smoother down a sidewalk, which can often be pretty jagged and, and rough, like a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, than, than pretty much any alternative that's out there. So we're pretty excited about that to see how that progresses. And uh, I think I think we're going to see that be a really nice piece into the future, especially just with those type of machines, the size that they are, a V-blade is, is a really efficient attachment to just... Oh, yeah drop it down and cruise. Yep. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's what I, in the snow space, that's probably what I'd answer. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff working on the landscape side of things. Not, okay. Not sure how intriguing 
the audience might we'll, find that, but we'll have to pay attention to some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got some stuff coming there too. Tell me about 2020. Cause 2020 was a really interesting year for society in general, but I'm sure oh. for business. Yeah. What, what, all, <laughs> how did, how did the pandemic affect your business and manufacturing and demand? And how if you, you look at, you guys if you look at a, that? if you look at a 10,000 foot overview, probably a lot less than you'd expect okay. you know, from a way zoomed out view, just another year, basically. Um, obviously that's not true. So when it, when everything first started happening kind of this time last year, we, we tightened up, we, we kind of clenched, clenched our fists a little bit like, okay, we gotta, we gotta see what's going to happen here. Uh, maybe demand's going to fall off. Maybe, maybe things are going to be hard to sell. Maybe manufacturing is going to slow down. We're not quite sure what's going to happen. Uh, so we all just kind of like braced for impact basically. And it, it came, but in, in different forms than we expected. Um, our, our demand was probably higher than ever, I would say. Um, our dealers did phenomenal. And I, that's, that's no secret in the industry, not just with our brand, mm-hmm. right. to outdoor power equipment and, and everything just did really, really well this year. So our dealers had awesome years. Um, we, we had a good year, um, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite what we would, would have wanted, uh, given, given a normal, normal circumstances, but it was basically all down to supply side of things. So we, when, when we had that dip there in activity, we, we had some time where people were away from work or working partially, or uh, only, you know, only parts of departments were in just because of, of, you know, restrictions and trying to keep businesses and stuff. Um, and so our, our, our volumes just took a dip just because of capability to manufacture. Um, and, and that really was more impacted by getting stuff in. Uh, so supply side, we, we had enough problems getting parts in and, and getting supply uh, pieces in to build units that it slowed us down a little bit. I think if we could have, if we could have fulfilled more orders uh, than we would have, and we would have had even better of a year, but all things considered, we were pretty happy with how things went. Um, really didn't have to have any major impacts on, on changing the business around or, or restructuring anything or really taking a hit anywhere. Um, and and we, we felt like we kind of handled it as, as best we could. Yeah, that's great to hear. You know, I think just the industry as a whole, I think all had a couple of weeks of sheer panic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and then very quickly, got back to work and, and for a lot of people, 2020 was a great year. Yeah. So what are you seeing for this year? Um, can you share, is that proprietary information as far as business outlook for 2021? Um, I, there, you know, there's some stuff I can't say, but I think overall people are, they're kind of cautiously optimistic. I think we, we really believe that the, the customers and the demand will be there as much as ever. Uh, and that that business will be there and the economy is going to be good enough and, and we're going to keep moving along just fine. But it's also no secret to anybody that manufactures anything that supply chains are in total disrepair. So that being said, we, we are expecting um, that we're going to have some challenges with componentry. Uh, we're going to do our best to kind of smooth those over and make sure that we can deliver as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a, a pretty similar year to last year in terms of, of how we do and what we're able to deliver. And, and we'll be pretty good about everything. 
Um, but I don't think we're going to have the opportunity to really, you know, blow it wide open and, and, and just re do ridiculous business over, over, over goals or anything, because I don't think the supply side is going to be there to help us do that. Yeah. We, we truly live in a, a global economy. And so, yes. you know, anything, any disruption, whether it's political or pandemic related or whatever it is anywhere in the world is going to affect supply chains. Yeah. And that's true in the automotive space or any aerospace. It's certainly true with your business as well, because you're bringing in components from around the world. Yep. And when you're building something that has thousands of SKUs involved, uh, you know, one little thing from one place can, can just put a, a damper on it immediately. And, yes. you know, you can, you can find alternate supply and you can, you can redirect and change things around, but there's challenges with that too. You know, we, we, mm -hmm to deviate from what we know and what we've tested. So it's difficult to, to just switch plans when, when that stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's not unique to us. It's something everybody's feeling. So that's the other thing where we don't feel like we're at any, any significant advantage or disadvantage. We're, we're kind of in the same boat with everybody. Yeah. I appreciate that. So I'm kind of curious about some other things that are that are maybe more in the marketing space or in the even the strategy space, but certainly related to snow. And um, you know, the first one has to do with just your involvement or event tracks involvement with associations and other um, you know educational platforms and entities that are involved in the snow industry. Ventrac was the very first uh, sponsor, strategic partner of my consulting firm, Promosh Consulting. Mm -hmm. uh, Ventrac was the very first sponsor of Grow the Bench. I don't know if you were the first sponsor of Snowfighters Institute or not, but you've been a longtime supporter of Snowfighters and very involved in SIMA and other industry associations. And um, what's in it for you? Why, why go so deep with these strategic partnerships? If I had to boil it down, I think I'd say just the connectedness to the customers. Um, and that's beneficial for everybody. Obviously we're in the business of selling stuff and, you know, for us to exist, we have to continue doing that. So there, it, it is, uh, there, there are some selfish reasons to want to promote yourself, obviously. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're, we're in business because customers choose, choose to use our products. And the only way that continues is if we still offer competitive products that make sense for them. And the only way for us to do that is to listen to them to pay attention, to network, to know what people are, are expecting and wanting from us. So associations and, and trade affiliations like that really help us make sure we don't lose the mark and just kind of miss out on what people really need. So in, in our mind, it's just trying to, it, it's, it's trying to be the best servant we can to, to the industry. Mm -hmm. The industry provides for us too, and it's a mutual relationship. Um, and I, I think, you know, those, those, those connections are some of the best ways to have a direct direct link to end users. And, and they're just such a valuable pool of people to truly understand and, and use uh, to, to just help help everybody along. Yeah, I love that. And um, yeah, very appreciative of all your support over the years, um, I have to say, on many, many levels. Um, so you mentioned, you know, working for this 500, this un, unnamed, to be unnamed <laughs> Fortune 500 company or bigger yeah. company that was uh, in your experience there was less than inspiring. What's exciting about this industry? 
Oh, um, there's a lot to be excited about in, in landscape and snow and ice. I, I think we, we exist in a unique space because we're a little bit off the radar for a lot of people. You know, we're not, we're not biotech, we're not automotive, we're not, you know, the standard tech sector. Uh, so a lot of people don't, don't necessarily think of it right away, but we're such a vital part of the economy because, you know, without what we do, things grind to a halt. Um, and so we, we have that nice mix of like, we're, we're so necessary and people rely on us and that it's good, it's good to be needed like that with uh, also the ability to innovate and uh, really support the industry with, with new products, smart products, uh, try trying new things, building, building new, new stuff that hasn't existed before. That's what gets me excited. And mm -hmm. part of it is, is that I'm the benefactor of my role where I get to have a yes. direct to that. Uh, but, you know, in those spaces where we, we have the ability and we have the, the customer base and, and the companies behind us to make those, those strides, it's just so fun to look at what we're doing now and theorize, is that what we should continue doing or should we try and mix it up? And if we mix it up, how? And what do we do to, to change that? And what do those products look like? And what kind of steps do we take? All that stuff is, it's hyper fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it moves, it moves at a, a faster pace than a commodity type of industry where you're just printing stuff out and, and, and moving it along an assembly line. And you don't really, you only think about what's, what's coming in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the whole industry is really awakening to the fact that, you know, we, this, we are so essential, you know, the professional snow and ice management industry is, is a truly needed essential service. It's an emergency yeah. service you can't live without. And, and there's, there's something really um, inspiring about being able to make such a big difference um, and affect so many lives in the way that we do our work. And, mm -hmm. and we often don't think about that. We just think about, you know, the work at hand and getting through it, surviving and in, invoicing our clients and making some money. But, we're, but, it, it, but it really is a, a very unique um, industry that we're in. And, and when you really stop and think about it, it's really, really important what we do, the work we do. Yep. So cool to have your perspective on that as well. Um, I'm always interested in, in hearing about people's challenges and what, what they had to go through to overcome some of those challenges. And sometimes when talking with someone and getting to know someone, they, they have, you know, something that has really been significant in their lives personally, or maybe from the business perspective, that was kind of a, uh, you know, critical decision they made in their career or some big thing they had to really stare down some wall they had to climb over to, make it to the next step or something. Is there, is there anything that stands out to you in that space? Um, well, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a book that's still being written. So um, I, I, I anticipate that that'll probably get more complex over time. And certainly there's challenges now. So that's always fun. If I look back, you know, in my, I'm, I'm a pretty young person, I would say in, in terms of overall, you know, labor pool in this industry. Um, so I don't have a lot of experience to draw on compared to some, some guys out there. Uh, for me, I think the biggest challenge has probably been just trying to find your place in the world. Um, you know, you come out of college, you, 
you start looking for a job. I had a job prior to that, that, that was kind of small business, very, 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 uh, hometown feel, you know, we never had more than a dozen employees, uh, and, and we're all a tight knit family. And then you leave college and you go, well, what do I do now? Where do I go? What do I, what do I chase? Do I try and go just make as much money as possible? Or do I, um, do I try and find a better, a better purpose or what? And I think probably for me, um, you know, I, I, I kind of dabbled in a couple things here and there and ultimately landed somewhere where I, I had to realize and kind of check myself and say, is, is this what I want forever? Because the, the financial outlook is good, but beyond that, does it give me anything else? And, and when I made the decision to leave, I, I actually uh, took a pay cut to do it. And, and the whole purpose of doing it was because I believed that there would be a little bit more to it than just the money I was going to make. Yeah. And that that's proved to be true. Kind of what, what our previous question was, was about to uh, finding yourself in service of other people uh, makes up for, for anything that you might think you lost on the financial side of things. So that been, for me, the ability to, to be involved with a product that, that changes people's lives and changes people's businesses for the better has, has paid dividends more than you more than you could account for with dollars and cents somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. You're actually answering one of my next questions here is what advice would you have for a younger person <laughs> uh, considering a career in the industry? Like, what is it about this industry? And we've, we've actually been touching on that a little bit. Um, but happy to hear your thoughts about, about that as well. If you had a chance to sit directly across the table from someone who was considering to come to work for Ventrac or, or maybe work in the industry, what would you tell them? Um, I think first, just in general, not industry specific to us, I just say, you know, no matter what industry you're looking at, it's not for everybody. And, and I think you kind of have to make those individual calls based on what you prioritize and what you think, what you think you need out of it. Um, everybody's a little bit different. We're all wired a little bit different. And, but I, but I do think you can find some common themes. And I think one of those common themes, like I was talking about earlier, is is being in service of other people because it's it's rewarding beyond what's on paper um, and if you're considering the snow and ice or landscape industry i think it's an industry that that provides that in spades because it is largely service-based um, whether you go work at a large contractor or you start your own business or you work at an oem like ours it's it's mostly a service really i mean yeah there's table and there's there's products and money changing hands but um, that service is where is where we do the lion's share of our cooperation between firms and between individuals and i think if if you're wired that way where you you like to work with people and you make make those connections and build a network of of colleagues and friends uh, that that you feel like are supportive and you can be supportive too then our industry is wonderful for that yeah, you touched on something there right at the end that I think is really key. This is an, is an industry where I think it's really unique. Um, I don't obviously don't know every industry, but but yeah. um, I think there's such a family feel in this industry. I don't see the cutthroat, um, you know, people kind of keeping things to themselves. I see a lot of collaboration. I see contractors willing to go help other contractors. I see this big ecosystem of 
everyone trying to get better and do the right thing and everyone trying to be successful and helping each other. I don't see people stepping on each other or taking other people down. That, that may happen in, in a specific market <laughs> where, you know, it, it might be a little bit of a bloodbath, right? Competitively. And, and there's some healthy aspects to that, but as an, as an industry as a whole, I just see to me, it feels like a family and I, it just feels really good to be part of this industry. Yeah. And as an antidote to that, I, you know, I haven't been around for three or four decades, like a lot of people have. So I, I can't say with, with complete certainty myself, but I have talked to a lot of people in our, in our dealer network, as an example, who are salespeople or principals at dealers who have said the same thing that have been there that long, uh, that have tried out other industries and have, and have looked around and, and dabbled in other things and have come back to the landscape industry or, or the snow and ice industry because they feel that way. They feel like it's, it's a nice place to land that provides all of those benefits. Yes. So I have one more little area before we wrap up, Aaron. And, and so we'll have to start this with a little bit of a um, uh, disclaimer um, because I want to hear your perspective on kind of the industry and maybe the future of the industry, kind of the state of the industry. Um, but our disclaimer is that this is this is Aaron just talking off the cuff. This is not Ventrac. Uh um, corporate talking, and this is not yeah. Toro talking. This is just Aaron over here by himself talking. So, okay, okay. Where do you see the industry today? When where do you see it going? Give us some thoughts about that. Hmm, some thoughts. Um, it might sound like like a like word soup. I don't know if there's, there's any continuity between all these thoughts, but I'll give you some. Go for it. Tangents, I suppose. I I guess the first thing is I, I see a lot of. Uh, a lot of innovation coming, smarter products, um, cleaner yes. products, easier, easier to use products. I, I think we're, we're an industry that does a pretty good job of that. And, and we also have a large bank of products to draw on that haven't been revolutionized in a long time and have the potential to be. Absolutely. So I think you're going to see some of that. I also think there's going to be a pretty big environmental input to it. Whether it's snow and ice and you're talking about like regulations on salt use or um, it's landscape and, and pesticides, chemicals. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think we're going to see in the next five to 10 years a lot of activity in that space, whether it's mandated or voluntary. I think it's coming and it's coming hard. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to drive a lot yeah. of change, a lot of innovation, a lot of a lot of activity. I think that's going to be a big, a big thing. Um, what else? What do you think about just the, the, all the demographic demographic trends that are um, pointing toward a continual labor shortage for probably the rest of our lives? Yeah. Um, it's not going to get better. We have an aging population. Yeah. We have the huge baby boomer generation retiring. We have a declining workforce participation rate. We have government programs, paying people to stay home. I, I just feel like survival in the, in this industry is going to mean replacing humans with machines. And I think that probably bodes well for Ventrac <laughs> and Toro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I do think. You I, always need a human somewhere, but I think yeah. there's going to, I think the ratio is going to change significantly in the next 10 years. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that. You're, you're going to see 
automation try and tackle that problem of the labor shortage. I don't know that it's going to be as fast as we all hope, mm. um, but I, th- I think you're going to see it try and tackle yeah. that. I also know that when that happens and, and as that happens, there's going to be opportunity for new types of jobs in our industry, jobs that have never even existed. Before. Sure. Right. Uh, and that's going to attract different talent and new talent that, that we don't have the access to today. And I think that's going to help. Um, demographics that play into that. We're seeing right now the, the acute shift from cities to, to rural areas because people are able to work remotely and mm-hmm. stick. Some of it's not, I think long-term, and this is, this is based loosely on, on things that I understand to be true, but I'm no, I'm no economic expert. <laughs> I'll give that. Mm-hmm. But I think long-term we see a lot more people being interested in the outdoor spaces that, that are surrounding them and also part in the outdoor spaces, a lot more DIY, DIY stuff, uh, a lot more involvement from individuals and, and private landowners in that space too. Mm-hmm. Into things, the opportunity for, for companies to develop products for those people, the opportunity for companies and contractors to sell services to those people uh, is going to continue to grow. I really do think that over the next number of years, we're going to usher in a generation of people that are more inclined to at least take note of and participate in the outdoor spaces around. Mm -hmm. I would agree. And And you guys are well positioned for that. Yeah. And we need contractors to support that. Right. For sure. Yeah. Aaron, I, I really appreciate all of this. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you wanted to just share with our listeners? Ah, I don't think so. Okay, uh, it's a good good discussion. I, maybe absolutely. I, I always feel like I, I should have something for this, though. We'll do a round two. So around one, hey, one uh, of these days, we'll do it. That works we'll do another me. next year. We'll do a we'll do a follow up, so you can you can get everything off your chest then. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll sit and chew on it for that. <laughs> um, Aaron, again, thank you so much. I I really um, hope Ventrack has another successful year to follow up. Um, what turned out to be a pretty good year, even though there's a pandemic uh, for 2021 here. And um, again, we just appreciate all your support. We're, we're very hopeful still that we're going to be able to have our in-person event in May at your facility. And if anyone's interested in checking that out, go to our website, snowfightersinstitute.com, uh, click on the events in inner circle event, and that'll be in Orville, Ohio in May. So Hopefully you guys can check that out. Hopefully that'll still happen. Looking Aaron, forward to thank it. Thank you so much. God Absolutely. bless and take care. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for listening. We welcome suggestions for future guests or topics. Feel free to email me directly at phil at growthebench.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, become a subscriber today so you won't miss any future episodes. And don't forget to check out our upcoming events at snowfightersinstitute.com. Now go for it.